industry focus. The podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Entry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. This week, we're sharing our thoughts on QuantumScape and Luminar, two automotive tech IPOs that investors just can't stop asking about. Joining me to break it all down is Motley Fool Senior Auto Analyst, John Rosevere. John, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nick. It's great to have you back on the show. You know, 2020 has been the year of electric vehicles with with Tesla going on an incredible run and large numbers of SPACs. We've got Chinese companies like Xpeng and others coming to the market. What has it been like uh, this year as someone who covers this space? It's been like the fire hose. It's been, you know, every time I think I've got, okay, the last batch of companies that came to public that that started taking off. Okay, we've got we've got we've got data on them. We've connected with the with the companies. We have a sense of where they're going financially. Oh, look, there's three new ones. It's just it's been that since you know March, really, just over and over. It's. You know, we'd been watching companies like Neo for a while. Neo was in real financial trouble early in the year. Then they got a bailout. Then their stock took off. They raised money. They raised more money. Now they're looking really good. Um, and then all the SPAC deals that started with Nikola. And you know, there are new ones last week we were talking about that, we, that that I still don't have my my head around yet. Luminar is very new to the public markets, but they've been around a while, so we've had a sense of who they are. QuantumScape is new to the public market. Public markets—they've been around a while, but they've been very secret about what they're doing until last week, really. And now we know what they're about and what the potential looks like, and we can start to figure out, you know, what this is. Uh, it, it's been that constantly, constantly. Um, and in the meantime, sort of the old companies in this in this business, Volkswagen, Ford, General Motors, they've all been busy as well. Uh, there have been stories there uh, surviving the economic downturn that was caused by the pandemic. They've got new technology coming. GM is is spinning up all sorts of great things. Ford just launched its electric vehicle. You know, there are stories there too that will be of interest to investors and, and in there somewhere are some companies that'll be profitable investments over the next few years. It's been wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, the, the one line I, you know, I'm thinking about is if, if it's... Uh, um, what is it from Anchorman? Like that escalated quickly, right? I mean, that that's kind of how how, how it feels like uh, uh, for this year. You did mention QuantumScape, and that is the the latest one uh, in the news. I w- want to talk about that one in some depth a little bit today. Uh, it's it's been uh, up significantly uh, this month, just in the last thirty days. The stock up over one hundred and eighty percent on what some see to be a potential breakthrough in battery technology announced earlier this month. So, so John, first tell us what what does QuantumScape do, and why do we care so much right now this month in particular? Well, <laughs> this month in particular because they've started telling us what they're doing. Uh, what so, so okay? There is there is an idea, a thing that hasn't really made it out of the 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 laboratories yet. A solid state battery. This does away with the liquid part of a lithium ion battery, uh, and instead uses a, a solid state separator. Uh, in QuantumScape's case, this is a, a 
an ingenious piece of flexible ceramic that is a proprietary material they've developed. And and so the battery can be, the advantages here from a, a point of view of building an electric car, which is where they're going with this, uh, the battery can be smaller, it can be more power dense, meaning you can stick more power inside the same physical space, uh, and it's less likely to catch on fire, as we've seen, you know, I, we all know that there have been incidents with lithium-ion batteries and automakers from Tesla to GM to everybody have you know, it, it built in systems to their car to try and minimize that risk. Well, the risk with a solid state battery is just much lower. It's safer. It takes up less room. It's it's less weight per volt uh, for, you know, for kilowatt hour of energy. And um it can be recharged more quickly. I, you know, they think a solid-state battery vehicle will be able to be recharged to, you know, a couple hundred miles of range in like 10 minutes rather than like 25 to 30 minutes that we see now with fast chargers. Uh, it, so it so it's a, a step change improvement in battery technology specifically for electric cars, but also elsewhere. Uh, what quantum scale? But but the problem has been manufacturing these things all along. How do we make them? Uh, at scale, at a price that makes any sense, and that this technology has been kicked around for a while. But what QuantumScape is saying that they may have cracked the code with this proprietary ceramic uh, separator that goes into their batteries, and and if so, then sometime in the next five to seven years, give or take, they will be able to roll these out at scale for electric vehicles, and. You know, it's tempting to say, yeah, okay, five years, whatever. But remember that Volkswagen is a big investor in this company and is partnering with them to try and get to help get this to manufacturing. And and you know, Volkswagen is only the world's largest or second largest automaker. I, I don't know how they're running against Toyota this year, but they they are you know a giant of giants. And, and so we have to take this seriously. Um, and. It is on paper, from what I know, I am not a battery scientist, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the battery scientists I know say there's a lot of potential here if they can commercialize it. Right. I mean, w w when you list a lot of those things about increased energy density, density, faster recharging, this, this is you know among the, the biggest uh, pushback that folks will have on adopting an electric vehicle. You know, hey, what happens when I have to recharge? I don't want to be stuck out there. Um, and you saw those two problems, obviously, really significant. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, that the, the fire thing is interesting because you know traditionally, the way you get these fires in electric vehicle batteries is over time, when you charge and discharge the battery a number of times, the lithium in, uh, in the battery develops. These things are called dendrites. Think of them like a stalactite. In a, in a cave that grows over time. And eventually that links up the positive side of the battery to the negative side of a battery uh, and a fire, a fire occurs. But in this case with the solid state battery, since they have a, instead of using a liquid electrolyte to, to trans, transmit the, uh, the ions in this case, it's physically uh, a transmitting. There's a, a physical barrier that prevents uh, those dendrites from, from, from passing across, which is, which obviously um, is a boost for safety. But you mentioned this idea of you have to get to scale. That's a, that's a big if. What, what timeline are we talking about here? And you know, what, what's the competition look like? Uh, five to seven, sorry, I had that mute on, uh, five to seven years, they're saying, 2025, 2027, um, that neighborhood. Uh, on the one hand, there aren't too many other efforts that appear to be that close to market. On the other hand, there are some efforts, uh, including one very big name, Toyota. Uh, Toyota said recently that they're going to show a solid state battery powered electric vehicle sometime next year, probably late next year, uh, and that it could be in production 2022. 
toward the end of the year. So that's, you know, two years away. Uh, we have no idea what Toyota's battery technology looks like. Uh, we have no idea how it compares with QuantumScape's in terms of capacity, cost, weight, etc. cetera. Uh, but what we do know is that Toyota has thrown tons of money at this problem, and the Japanese government is throwing resources at this problem and Toyota's interlinked network of suppliers is working on this problem. So they they are, you know, this is this is far beyond anything a startup could muster, uh, you know, even a startup with soaring valuation that can raise a ton of money. Uh, and 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 Toyota has been cagey about what it has uh, until recently, in fact, until a couple days after QuantumScape's presentation, there was a, <laughs> a story that appeared in Nikkei, sourced to sources inside Toyota who are knowledgeable, uh, outlining this this plan. And Toyota itself hasn't said anything directly uh, in public, but we now have a sense that there's somebody, at least one other entrant in this market that is that is coming possibly before QuantumScape could get to market. Yeah, there, there's one other company I wanted to mention as well called Solid Power. They're a company that that again had a, had a uh, uh, some press suspiciously come out right after uh, QuantumScape uh, put out their news. They, they've got partnerships uh, with, with Ford and BMW. They say that they're going to be getting ready for automotive qualification here in 2022. So, so some competition uh, uh, coming on to that market. Uh, so there's this this question of of how do we get from this this product uh, that that you know, at least based on the test data they've put out, it appears to solve a lot of a lot of problems to to reaching scale. They have smart backing uh, from Volkswagen. I also you know it's worth mentioning if you look at the board of directors, J.B. Straubel, co-founder at Tesla, someone who was really important to their battery efforts uh, early on, is on the board of directors as well. Uh, but uh, Brad Buss, as well, is on the on the board of directors. Someone who who has been linked with Tesla uh, uh, for a long period of time. But you know, if you look at this company a, a, as an investment, um, what do you think about it today? We we talked about some of the competition coming on board, some of the execution risk. It's a twenty two billion dollar market cap today, and if you look at their revenue, it's at approximately zero. If you're buying this this stock today, what thesis have you got to be taking? How, how should you be handling it? It's a potential moonshot. You know, if they're even if they're just Toyota's preferred battery supplier of choice in seven years, um, that's going to be a big business. Toyota wants to be selling three million EVs a year in five years. Uh, so think of this as the next generation of Toyota electric vehicles that will come out toward the end of the decade that could be powered by these batteries if all pans out, if they can, if they can jump the hurdles, and that's boom, instant market of three four million vehicles a year by then. Uh, maybe more, uh, and that's just with Toyota. And if they really do have the best solution, then uh, you know other automakers could come to them, uh, including some of the newer automakers could come to them. Uh, could and it will be you know how fast can you build your plants? How fast can you scale up? How fast can you make that magic ceramic uh, to 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 fill all these orders? Because you're going to have a lot of orders. Uh, it could be, you know a key component of this technology that we expect is going to eventually displace internal combustion uh, vehicles uh, over the next 15 years. On the other hand, I mean, they could get beaten to market and, and you know, this company gets acquired for a song by VW at a substantial discount or something. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, I think it's a solid bet in part because Volkswagen is involved here and in part because the people running it uh, have been involved in this space for really a decade now. 
Uh, they are very smart. They are highly regarded by people who are experts who I've talked to and said, no, these, these people are the real deal. Um, if you want to look at their CEO, go to YouTube and search for QuantumScape. You can see the presentation they did last week, uh, which was narrated by the CEO. And, and you can tell that he really knows this in and out. And one of the ways you can tell is he explains it all in accessible plain English. Any reasonably bright person can watch this video and go, wow, okay, I understand their technology. You don't need any background or anything else. Uh, and you know that kind of leadership tends to go places. Uh, that said, I mean, the, the, the competition here is going to be fierce. We may end up with three or four makers with somewhat different technology uh, at different price points. You know, maybe, maybe there's another company that comes in with a lower cost product that isn't quite as efficient, isn't quite as energy dense. Uh, there is room here. I mean, the, automa the, the automakers around the world sell close to 100 million cars every year. There's a lot of room in this market. Uh, it is tough to get a big chunk of that market with anything. Uh, unless it's a little specialist part. Uh, so even if they get, you know, even if, as I said, even if Volkswagen turns out to be their only major client, they, it's still a big potential market. They'll be selling a lot of batteries in a decade if they can get them to production with some, and with, in a time frame and with a product that is competitive. Last thing, when we look at you know, uh, mentioned the relationship with Volkswagen. Volkswagen is the biggest shareholder in QuantumScape, have a relationship going back to 2012. We talked about how, you know, these solid state batteries, the, the increased density, faster charging, how, how it can really save, uh, uh, solve a lot of these problems that, that are, are, are buyers give pushback on uh, when it comes to electric vehicles. Is, is this relationship with QuantumScape, do you think that's something that, you know, could be a meaningful advantage for Volkswagen going forward, having access to this technology? Or do you think this is something where, you know, all the automakers are going to have it in some way, shape or form? And this is kind of a table stakes thing as, as we move forward in the industry. Go out 15 years, everybody will have it. In seven years, it's very possible that only Volkswagen has it and that they can come out with faster charging and so forth. Uh, but then I add the caveat, note that Toyota's in this space, Ford is in this space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And these are also heavy hitters. Um, but yes, it could go the way that that only a couple of the major players have it. And you know, you can, you can buy a electric vehicle with the old battery that gets 300 miles of range and recharges to 80% in 30 minutes, or you can buy one that has 600 miles of range and recharges in 10 minutes. Uh, if it's at a similar price or even a lower price, that's a compelling offering. Um, again, then we back up and say it's such a huge market that nobody can take dominant share. And <laughs> that's how autos work. So we have to remember that too. Nobody's going to get 40% of this market. Not even Tesla. Nobody's going to get 40% of this market. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I think the takeaway is, is I think this, you know, at least for me, is this this technology has lots of potential. I think it, it's safe to say that QuantumScape is likely to be an important player in that market. But there's a lot of ifs when it comes to how quickly this is going to scale up, who is going to be the ultimate, you know, three, four, five people uh, that really are significant players in this market. And if you look today, you're paying a $20 billion plus valuation on, uh, you know, essentially all if when you look at the, the revenue side of the business, that, that there's really not much to speak of there. So this is very much kind of a venture capital type investment of, of how you have to invest as, as someone. You need to take a really long-term time horizon. Uh, the market's clearly got a lot of optimism baked in here, but there's several years between uh, you know now and that optimism being realized in any any shape, form, or fashion. So so it's certainly certainly potential here, but to just be aware of the time scale and, and kind of the, the challenges uh, between now and there. Um, any last thoughts on QuantumScape, John? I think the uh, the VC metaphor is a really good um, 
view. I mean, there are a lot of VC investments that go to zero. Uh, will this go to zero? Probably not. Somebody will acquire it, maybe Volkswagen, but you know, it could go to relative zero compared to where we buy in. Uh, it, it's it's a moonshot. It's it's not it's better than a lottery ticket, but it's still a moonshot. Uh, buy some, tuck it away, and think about it in a few years from now. Uh, could be a good strategy um, if you are interested in this space. This is one way right now to get a, a sort of a pure play. Uh, investment in solid state battery tech for autos. Uh, don't don't put your whole portfolio in it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe maybe one of the most exciting things about this company you talked about the secrecy with which Toyota and some of these other companies have, have treated this subject. Well, now you have a company that's required by law to give us uh, public disclosures about their progress. So at the very least, we're going to have some interesting insight into what's going on in that industry um, going forward. Um, I wanted to move on now uh, to Luminar. This is another company playing in a, a different uh, subsector of this automotive technology trend. Uh, completed their acquisition uh, transaction with Gore's Metropolis SPAC to come public beginning of December. The stock surged over 120% uh, today. It settled up around 40% since that deal closed for a market cap of about $8 billion. John, what does Luminar do? Luminar makes LiDAR sensors and related software. So now we have to answer the question, what is a LiDAR sensor? Uh, LiDAR stands for laser, dete laser detection and ranging. It's similar to radar. Yeah, light detection in that and they're, ranging. Yeah, they're bouncing laser beams uh, you know, beyond the visible spectrum, high-frequency high laser beams off of objects, and they can make a detailed... 3D map, essentially, of the surroundings of wherever the sensor is. Uh, they have lots of applications with robotics. Uh, where we look at them specifically, because it's a potentially huge market, is self-driving vehicles and more advanced driver assist systems. In most of the self-driving technologies under development now, what we see are LiDAR sensors being used together with cameras and radar as a sort of belt and suspenders approach to making sure you know where the car is. Uh, when we talk about self-driving vehicles that are limited to specific areas. They're limited because uh, the automaker or the provider of the technology wants to have a highly detailed 3D map of wherever the car is likely to go. Uh, using LiDAR, you can compare it you know, dozens of times a second where the car is uh, relative to that map, and you can know exactly where you are within a few centimeters. Uh, it's important safety technology. With self-driving cars, most of the companies in this space are going with aviation levels of redundancy. You've got to have a couple of ways of doing the same thing, because if you're underway at 60 miles an hour with people on board, uh, and something breaks, you need to at very least, you know, make a safe landing, get off the road safely. Uh, if not, you know, ultimately carry on to the destination. So this is, this is, you know, not something you build in your garage, uh, <laughs> you know, at least not for production. Uh, LIDAR gives a lot of insurance together with 3D maps uh, that you know exactly where your car is and that you're clear of anything you're likely to hit and that you're on course and, you know, you're not about to bump up against the curb and bend your wheel and all of that kind of thing. Uh, that's what makes it important. Luminar specifically uh, has focused from the start of, uh, on automotive grade LIDAR. And we need to talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, as a piece of technology that is going to survive for 10 years, 200,000 miles in a car, operate at 20 below zero and 120 above and go over bumps and this and that without failing, uh, that's automotive grade. You, you know, you can't just put consumer technology in a car and expect it to work long term. Um, some of the newer automakers have found that out the hard way when they've put, you know, consumer tablets in their 
mustaches and so forth, and they've had to replace them after a couple of years. Uh, that has been a lesson for some of the newer entrants. I think we're all on board with this now. Uh, but Luminar is specifically focusing on automotive-grade LiDAR. Uh, they... Uh, have been around for a long time. They were relatively secret, although we did know something about them. Uh, we started to see more press, more statements from them over the last year, year and a half, but now they're public and we're going to know a lot about them. Uh, their system, uh, they have several different flavors of system geared from whether you're just using it for, for instance, an automated parking system or whether you're doing full-blown self-driving or various points in between. Uh, they have worked with several automakers. They are working with Daimler, which is Mercedes-Benz parent company. Daimler also owns several heavy truck brands, including the Mercedes Heavy Truck and Freightliner. They are working on self-driving trucks and advanced driver assist for heavy trucks. Uh, Luminar is helping that. Uh, with LiDAR and related software. Uh, obviously, the sensor is one thing, but you also need the software to process the images and so forth. Uh, they also, they're also they also working with Volvo Cars. They are going to be shipping um, LiDAR for an advanced driver assist for Volvo fairly soon. Uh, but perhaps the most intriguing partnership is with Mobileye. If you've been looking at this space for a while, you'll remember Mobileye. This is an Israeli company that specialized early on in machine vision, again, automotive grade machine vision uh, for the early driver assist stuff. They have moved into self-driving. They were acquired for a big premium by Intel, uh, which thought that if they had an entry into automotive advanced technology, they could sell a lot of data centers. That was the business case in one sentence or fewer. Uh, Intel is having its troubles, but Mobileye is still a very strong company, uh, works with most of the world's automakers, and they are now working uh, to launch their own fleet of self-driving taxis in a few cities around the world uh, starting in 2022. And that's not just because they want to run a giant taxi service, but also, I mean, these are rolling research laboratories for them as well. And they can do that. They're working with NEO, the Chinese automaker we've mentioned a few times on here. Uh, NEO is going to build them uh, electric taxis to order, and they're going to integrate, uh, among other things, Luminar's uh, LiDAR technology into those vehicles. Uh, Luminar says it's already shipping LiDAR units to Mobileye for test vehicles and so forth. Uh, so that is already a business that's paying so that's generating some revenue. They announced a deal in November. You can go read about that if you're interested in the company, and you should. Uh, that outlines exactly what uh, Luminar is going to do with Mobileye and, and gives an overview of what Mobileye itself is doing in this space. Uh, that makes it interesting. Uh, it makes it really one of the two big players in this space, such as it is right now, although the playing field could change a lot over the next five years. Uh, the other company is Velodyne, who I think we've talked about in the past. They went public via SPAC deal earlier this year. Velodyne, uh, their investors include Ford and Baidu, uh, which is working on self-driving cars in a similar way to how Google has been working on self-driving cars, and for similar reasons. Uh, they they have been, you see their sensors, they look like hockey pucks with a green stripe. In fact, they call them pucks on a lot of the prototype self-driving cars out in the last few years. If you go search pictures, you'll see them. Uh, Luminar is clearly looking to sort of blow away Velodyne here. Uh, when you talk to Luminar, they have Velodyne on their mind and in their sights. And they say, our stuff is automotive grade. You know, Velodyne started with something that wasn't, and they're trying, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, Velodyne has its own story too, and you shouldn't take that as gospel. But uh, they are being very aggressive. They've got a whole bunch of partnerships with automakers. They are working specifically to make automotive-grade stuff. They're less interested in things like uh, 
anthropomorphic robots and so forth that you see Velodyne uh, experimenting with and, and also these machines that crawl around vent ducts and so forth that are using Velodyne LiDAR to do that. Uh, you know, Luminar is going right at the car market and, and as the playing field looks right now, they could get quite a chunk of it. Uh, and, and it's not just a self-driving play, although it is a self-driving play. Uh, it's also, as, as I said, as advanced driver assist systems short of self-driving get more advanced, uh, LiDAR is coming more and more into play. They're already, they already have a deal from, from Volvo cars. They're, they say that they're working on deals with several other automakers along similar lines. Um, as we all know, Volvo likes to be a pioneer in safety stuff because they have been for decades and they like to position themselves that way. That's a significant part of their brand. So they're likely to to take on advanced driver assist and safety systems uh, aggressively over the next few years as that technology continues to advance. Uh, Luminar is going to be doing that with them. So that's going to be a market. Volvo isn't the hugest automaker, but it's a real automaker with a presence in China and so forth and so on. Um, they have other partnerships. They could win some more significant business over time. Uh, their goal, in fact, it's written into their agreement with Mobileye, is that their systems at scale will cost less than $1,000 per vehicle, which is a price point at which, okay, you can get that as an option. Right. I mean, if you talk to folks in kind of the, the self-driving space, that the big constraints are twofold. It's one, durability that comes into the automotive grade side, right? You know, often historically, these things have had spinning lasers driving around that have to be, you know, incredibly tightly calibrated and all those sorts of things, which obviously creates a problem with operating these things at scale. And then secondly has been cost. So getting that cost down uh, to where you can you can sell this to the consumer, um, I think is really important. So, so you, you talked about, John, some of the, the market opportunity. I want to talk a little bit in a second about just how many players are, are in this space. But one area you didn't talk about, I think we should at least mention, is the founder of this company, Austin Russell, has a very interesting background, founded the company in <laughs> yes, 2012 indeed. at age 17. Yeah, he was, um, he's, he's your classic super smart nerd. Uh, you know, the storyline is he memorized the periodic table of elements at age two or something. Uh, he was working in a laser lab, uh, the story goes, and, and uh, got into Stanford, was going to go to Stanford. And then he got a Thiel fellowship from this, this fund set up by Peter Thiel, where they give entrepreneurs who want to bail out of college and run with their ideas $100,000 to get started. Uh, he, he partnered with uh, an older scientist, I think it was somebody he'd been working with in that original laser lab as a teen, uh, to set up Luminar. And they've been pushing very aggressively with this, this for a long time. Uh, I imagine they've learned an awful lot of lessons along the way. So yeah, you look at this picture uh, of Luminar's CEO, and he's 25, and he looks 25. Um, and I say that as someone who was always told he looked young. Uh, you know, no, no offense, Austin, that's a compliment. You'll realize it when you're my age. Uh, but um, he's actually got a significant background in this space, uh, and a real background. And you know, a lot of talent around him and, and, you know, this is a real company with the potential to be a real player in this space is the takeaway, even though he's a young guy. Yeah. I mean, if anything, if anything, you just can make myself and all our listeners feel like you haven't accomplished enough. This guy's, you know, worth, it's an $8 billion company. He's worth over, over a billion dollars. He's uh, 25 years old, man. He, he's doing pretty, pretty good for himself. Uh, so again, we, we talk about a lot of their, their partnerships and we talked about, uh, you know, the significance of, of Velodyne as a player in the industry. Velodyne has been in this market going all the way back um, um, to, to the original DARPA competitions in the early 2000s, where a lot of the names that are the big names 
names in self-driving today uh, really got their start and, and started coming up. Uh, but it's not just Velodyne that they're competing with. Uh, there's other companies like Innovis and Ava that are also coming public via SPAC this year. There were some rumblings that Mobileye might be developing its own LiDAR. Uh, you know, Waymo and others have, have acquired LiDAR companies in the past. When you look at the competitive landscape here, uh, yeah, just just thoughts on, on what uh, on on what Luminar is up against. Well, Waymo is working on something inside solid state lidar, which uh, is is parallel to solid state batteries in the sense that you can file it in your brain as solid state is cheaper and more durable. Uh, what it means is it doesn't have the actual motorized laser laser sweeping back and forth. It's all solid. It, it doesn't move. Uh, Waymo did buy a startup to do that. Uh, they're aiming to have $200 LiDAR units at some point. Uh, GM also bought a little startup a couple of years ago. It wasn't widely noticed. It was sort of an aqua hire. It was a whole bunch of talent that were just getting going on inexpensive solid state LiDAR units. They have some hope for that. Uh, it is not clear how far they're going to go with it. Uh, Ford uh, bet on Velodyne a while back. Uh, you know, we, We've talked about the companies that have bet on Luminar uh, directly or indirectly, including Daimler, which is not just heavy trucks, but in time could be Mercedes-Benz as well. Uh, that's not an enormous company, but it's an enormously influential company, again, like Volvo. It's a company people watch for technology coming into mainstream automobiles and have historically. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of space. Innovis, when I said earlier in the program that it seems like a fire hose of SPAC deals coming at us left and right, Innovis was one of those. I had no idea they were negotiating uh, with Collective Growth, the SPAC, uh, and then boom, there it was. Oh, they're going to market too. I mean, they work with with Magna, with Aptiv, which is uh, the old auto supplier Delphi uh, split in two a couple years ago, and one part took the old legacy businesses building internal combustion engine components and so forth. And the other part, Aptiv, is the part that took all the interesting technology, the advanced driver assist. They've worked with Mobileye on, on self-driving type things. Uh, in fact, they were they were running around uh, uh, trade shows a f several years ago with prototype self-driving cars, Aptiv. Uh, BMW, we all know BMW, that's a significant hitter. Uh, you know, I don't know as much about some of the other companies that are just emerging in this space. Uh, I do know, as we said, Sam says there's six companies here, give or take. Uh, certainly, Luminar and Velodyne are the biggest ones. But you know, as we learn more about some of these other companies, we may learn, you know, oh, they've been working with, you know, Fiat Chrysler for seven years or whatever. You know, that 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 has just been out of the public eye. So it is it is hard to see. You know, if you want to bet on lidar, I'd say buy some Velodyne and buy some Luminar. Uh, and you're not likely to go too far wrong, but we don't know that either of those companies is going to be the eventual long-term winner here. Uh, and, and I guess it's important to say that since we're an investing broadcast here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one thing I wanted to, to kind of wrap up here with on Luminar. You're looking at a company, uh, 2019 revenue of about $12 million. I've mentioned a couple of times earlier on the broadcast that the market cap is about $8 billion today. You're looking about $3.5 billion for Lumina, uh, for, for excuse me, for for Velodyne, um, and some of those other SPAC deals are in the one to two billion dollar range. Uh, going to come out here uh, in twenty twenty one. So, so if you if you're going to invest in this space again, would you say this is a kind of a VC uh, approach? You're looking for you know smart backing and and strong leaders that that can really kind of take share in this space. But there's certainly a, a lot of uncertainty to the point that you know you don't want to make any of this you know five ten percent of your portfolio. 
there's uncertainty to the point of you know, when are we going to see self-driving cars roll out in quantity? Uh, how far will automakers go in adopting uh, advanced driver assist systems that are dependent on LIDAR over the next few years? Uh, but unlike uh, QuantumScape, uh, which really is a moonshot, I mean, Luminar and Velodyne are both shipping products. Uh, and they're shipping them to, among others, in Velodyne's case, automakers who are using them on prototypes, who are using them in test programs, who are integrating their software with their own systems. And not just automakers, but some of these startups we've talked about developing self-driving tech as well. Uh, you know, they, these these are real companies shipping real products. They don't have tons of revenue yet, but they have products in a category that could see widespread adoption among motor vehicles in the next five to 10 years. Uh, that's for real. In that sense, um, you know, I, again, they're not going to go to zero here. Uh, they are real companies. Um, are they worth their valuations? That sort of depends on what you believe about the adoption curves and so forth. I would say both Luminar and Velodyne look like solid bets to do well out of you know the emerging wave of automotive technology. Uh, Velodyne has has some eggs in other baskets as well with robotics and so forth, some partnerships with, with companies doing you know, sidewalk robots and, and loading robots. And I don't remember the name of the company. I mentioned it earlier, a, a company, a, a company that makes a robot that crawls through vent spaces and so forth, <laughs> you know, and tells you what needs to be cleaning, where the problem is or whatever. Uh, it, you know, these are all important innovations. How big are any of the markets? Probably not as big as autos, but they, it, you know, it diversifies the business a little bit. Whereas Luminar is an autos, 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 trucks, autos bet, um, including trucks and autos. Uh, and, and, both of the companies seem well positioned right now, but but again, it's a space where there isn't a big market yet, and the time between now and what happens when time between now and when that big market emerges could see other players come in here or other technologies move in here. Yeah, so so for, so for the listeners, I would say you know pay attention. This is exciting technology that has has lots of of, of potential, um, but but. You know, be aware that there there's still plenty of execution risk between now and these these businesses really you know uh, delivering on their valuation. So, John, before we go away, uh, it, we're the, probably the last show I'm going to have you on here in 2020. We're heading into 2021. We opened the show talking about how crazy the year was uh, for electric vehicles and just all this development in the automotive space. Are there any trends that you're watching for 2021? Well, we've talked about a bunch of them, more advanced driver assist systems, electric vehicles, and so forth. But one thing we haven't talked a lot about is connectivity, connected cars. GM is dropping hints that it's making a very big bet on connectivity, subscription services to its installed vehicles. I mean, those of you who are familiar with GM products will know they've had OnStar, uh, which was a very simple form of con connectivity in their cars for years and years. I think it's been like 20 years now since they rolled that out. Um, in, in its simplest form. More recently, GM is including modems and so forth in nearly all of its vehicles uh, in the US and, and many in China as well. And the plan is to sell products and services via that, not just over-the-air update, but subscription services, traffic subscriptions, probably a lot of things that we can't even think of yet um, because they're, they're kicking around labs. But GM does look primed to make a move into connectivity, and at least a couple of Wall Street analysts think that could create a significant revenue stream for them. And if GM does it, uh, other companies will also do it and may also be preparing to do it uh, because it, it, it looks like, you know, I, I mean, Tesla's done a little bit in that direction. Uh, 
there's much, much more potential there, I think, for subscription services of various kinds in cars, uh, subscription updates. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next couple of years. And um, that's, that's I think, going to be something we're talking about a lot more next year, for sure. Uh, but again, also advanced driver assist, self-driving cars, uh, various models of personal mobility. Uh, that market has gone a little quiet right now. I mean, I think Uber and Lyft have both, you know, they ran up and there was a lot of excitement. Now it's like, oh, now we have to have to slog toward being profitable in a sustainable way and so forth. Uh, I, I think you'll see another round of innovation there sometime in the next couple of years. I don't know if it'll be in 2021 or not. Uh, it may just be these self-driving taxi fleets. Um, but, but certainly more advanced driver assist systems, more technology in the car that is about safety and about you know, uh, complementing humans, not just replacing them. Uh, I think that's going to be a renewed focus over the next couple of years and the connectivity thing. All right. Well, we'll be watching that as we head out into uh, next year. John, we'll be looking forward to having you on the podcast to talk about it as we have uh, new developments. <laughs> Thanks very much, Nick. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For John Rosevere, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and full on.